Welcome to the Diversity Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jonathan Ember. We hope that you would just take a moment and listen and receive the Word of God. We know that one word from the Lord can change your life. And so we hope that this message will bless you and transform you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Justin. Don't we love our connections, Pastor Justin Flanagan? Isn't he awesome? He doesn't just come up here and tell you when he wins. He also came and confessed his losses today, and I'm so proud of him. That's humility. Everybody give it up for Flam Man. That's awesome, man. He's growing. Uh, we love you guys. Um, love our team here at Diversity Church. Welcome to Diversity Church, everybody. Whether you're here in the house or you're watching online or at our North Campus, can we just give it up for everybody who's watching or attending or connecting to Diversity Church this morning? We love you guys. Um, we are starting a new series today called Worship Defined. Um, if I was going to ask a question about what would be the first thing that came to your mind about worship, what would y'all say? Come on, shout it out. Praise. Music. All right. Some of those things are common and really even what was said praise, kind of music. Those are avenues to kind of uh, share worship. But what you're going to find out in this series through Abraham, we're going to look at Abraham. It's going to be a study of Abraham throughout this entire series. You're going to see that worship is so much more than just coming to church, so much more than even just music, so much more than a performance, so much more than your favorite band. This thing is so deep and beautiful and heartfelt. And this is all about our connection in our relationship with God. And so I want us to explore it. I want us to define it through Father Abraham. And the reason why we call him Father, he was the father of the Jewish faith. And because Jesus came as a Jew, he's also the father of the Christian faith. And you're gonna discover through his story, there's a reason why. There's a reason why this man is the beginning of it all. It's because of his worship. It's because of his relationship with God. And we wanna actually see some examples through that so we can follow and I I think, be encouraged and blessed in our life. And so in order to define worship, I just want to go to where the Bible actually mentions it for the very first time. The word worship, we're going to look at the first mention. That's the title of the message today. The first mention of the word worship in our English Bibles. All right, if we're going to discover what this thing means, we need to see where is it at in the Bible and when is it first appeared? When did it first appear in the Bible? So we're going to look at the story of Abraham towards the end of the arc of Abraham's story in the scripture. So we're going to kind of reverse engineer the series. I'm not just starting where it all began for Abraham. We'll get there in the series, I want to actually look at where worship was first mentioned in the scripture. And you see that in Genesis chapter 22, we're going to read verses two through 10. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, one of the most crazy stories in the Bible, but one with such deep meaning, including worship. Let's look here. Genesis 22, two through 10, God speaking to Abraham. This is after 25, 30 years of Abraham following, or maybe even more, following the Lord. Look at what the scripture says. Then he said, God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. 
Now, let me just say this. This is crazy, right? This is what other gods would have people do. They would offer human sacrifice and even offer their kids to the Lord. Uh, God is obviously different than that, but he's wanting to test Abraham. So he says, here, your only son, your promised son, I want you to offer him to me in the land of Moriah. Now, let me say what Moriah is, just so everybody knows. It's the area in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem at this time. So when it's actually saying one of the mountains that I will show you, most scholars believe that this story centers around Golgotha. Now, this wasn't Golgotha this time because this is 1,800 years before Jesus came, yet you see a story in the Bible where God actually has Abraham go to the same mountain that God would sacrifice his own son on, and he's telling Abraham, come and give me your son right here, all right? So I want you to see the parallel here because it's going to make a lot of sense later. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering because they would present an animal, or in this case, he's thinking, oh man, I'm gonna have to put my son on here, and they would burn that unto the Lord, okay? So he took his son Isaac with him, and he split the wood, he rose early, and he offered, and for the burnt offering, and he rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes. So it took a three-day journey just to get here. He opened his eyes and saw the place afar off, And Abraham said to his young men, and this is where we get this from, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. It must have been Abraham was from the country or something. Yeah, he was country, I guess. Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. And look, look what the scripture says. What are they going to do up there? They're going to worship. This is the very first time in the English Bible that the word worship is mentioned. They're going to go over there yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. So check this out. So cool, right? Where is Isaac carrying the wood for this burnt offering? He laid it on him. I'm imagining it. It's on his back as he's walking up. Golgotha, come on somebody, you guys seeing the parallel here. This is why you can understand why God is doing this, why God is having him do this, because it would be really weird if you're just like, why is God asking him to sacrifice his son, unless you know the end of the story and we see God through his son Jesus doing the same thing. Come on, y'all with me today? All right, so he took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and imagine this as a parent, my father, he said, here am I, son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then verse nine, then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. How many guys are glad that the story doesn't stop right there? (laughs) Right? 
The angel of the Lord stops him as he's about to sacrifice his son in obedience to God. The angel of the Lord stops him and says, I've seen that you've loved me. I've seen that you won't withhold anything from me. At that same time, Abraham turns around and there's a ram in place for his son for an offering unto the Lord in this moment. All right. So they did go up to this mountain, Golgotha, to worship the Lord. And there are some things about worship that we can learn from this story, okay? So I just want to break down three of them as we're defining worship. As we see it mentioned for the very first time in the English Bible, let's learn about what this means. Here's the first thing I want to share. It's submitting what's most precious to God. What is worship? We're defining worship in this series. We're seeing it through Abraham. What is it? It's submitting what's most precious to God. All right, look here in Genesis 20, 20, 22. Then he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the, one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. What Abraham was willing to do was take the blessing from God, his one and only promised son, Isaac, and return that blessing to God. We got to understand this about worship because this will apply to each one of our lives. Worshiping God is putting him in his rightful place. Meaning there's no blessing in our life, no favor in our life, no person in our life, no, nothing greater, nothing more important than God. And what you have to understand about Isaac in this scenario is Abraham waited for this son, this promised son, until he was 100 years old. Sarah's wife was barren, and they had waited even 20 years from the time the Lord told them that they would have this promised son until the time Isaac actually came. 20 plus years, they had been waiting, they had been praying, they had been expecting, they had been desiring. Isaac finally comes. Not only does he come, they've had Isaac now in their possession, if you will, for many years. He was weaned, the scripture says. He's obviously at a place where he can carry wood on his back up a mountain. Uh, so he, some scholars believe that he might have actually been 33, the same age as Jesus when he carried the cross up a mountain. We don't know that because the scripture doesn't say, but obviously he had been in this family and he had been given to Abraham and Sarah and they had loved him and they had been connected to this great blessing from God, a son. Yet, as the Lord comes and shares and really tests the heart of Abraham, he's wanting to make sure that the things that he is given us or given Abraham will never take the place of God in our lives, right? That every single blessing has to submit to the blesser. Every single thing in creation has to submit to the creator. And this is the reason why God's saying, are you going to worship this blessing? Or are you going to worship me supreme? Right? And so he actually tells Abraham, will you submit this thing to me? Guys, this is hard. Because this is going to be a test of every one of us. Because there are times in our life where we're going to be so blessed and we had been waiting for something and God gives us something. Are we going to let that thing that God has given us turn into an idol in our life because it takes precedence and it takes place. It takes a higher place in the Lord in our life. 
This is why the Lord is testing him, because he didn't want this thing that Abraham loved, that was very precious to him, turn into an idol in his life. Can I tell you guys this? As good as a son is, as good as a spouse is, as good as a job is, they aren't God. They will never satisfy you like God. They will never fulfill you like God. If you put them in God's place, all it is is idolatry. And all I know is I was made for God. I was made by God. The only place that I find life and fulfillment is in my God, not in the things only that he has given me, right? And so worship is putting God then in his rightful place and then other things in their rightful place under the Lord. What is something that is precious to you that may be getting in the way of your relationship with God? I want you to consider that because this is what worship is all about. Maybe something else is taking precedence over God and your love for him and your worship for him and your devotion for him in your life. I want you to present that today. If that's you, I want you to present that today to the Lord and say, okay, God, I want to put you in your rightful place. You are worthy. It could be as simple as even just comforts and sleep. How many of you guys would say that sleep and comfort is very precious to you? Come on, somebody, right? And y'all already know because I talk about it all the time. Friday is my day off. It is precious to me, amen? Uh, but I think this is interesting because if you didn't notice in verse 3, check this out in verse 3, we, we saw, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and then took a three-day journey to go and sacrifice his son on a mountain for God. We won't even wake up three minutes early just to read the verse of the day in our Bible app, right? And Abraham has such devotion towards the Lord. I want you to think about where, the, where is the Lord at in Abraham's life? He is at the number one place. He is front and center. He is supreme. The Lord calls Abraham to take a three-day journey. Hey, y'all, if he was calling you to sacrifice your son, you would have thought, hey, I'm going to make this easy on you. Why don't you go in the backyard, build an altar, and there we go. No, 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 because in God's plan, he already already sees 1,800 years in the future. He sees what this is going to symbolize to all the Jews that he's wanting to reach and, and share Jesus with later on. And so he says, Abraham, I need you to do something big for me. I, I need you to actually wake up early, journey three days into this place, Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice your son on an altar. This is God's will. This is God's plan. And and this is what you see Abraham doing because he wasn't willing to put anything, even precious things, above God and his life. We have to understand this. Matter of fact, I want to share with you the story of when my wife and I started dating. And um, I had prayed for this woman. You know, as a single person, you better be praying for that spouse, all right? And I remember, listen, I remember reading a book. It was a book on evangelism. And I heard a story on how the guy who's writing this book, his daughter, had met her husband. 
And I said, uh, this is really cool because what happened was is they were out doing some evangelism and ministry out on the streets. And evidently this guy came on the scene along with him and his daughter. And literally he said, this is um, how they met. They met doing the Lord's work, evangelizing on the street. When I read that, I said, Lord, I want a girl like that. A girl that would go out with her father to go and minister for you. And I prayed this prayer. As God is my witness. I literally prayed that prayer. I was on my knees in my bedroom. I remember the moment. I said, Lord, I want a girl like that. Sure enough, what does the Lord do when you ask him after the desires of his heart? What does he do? He gives you the desires of your heart when they match the desires of his. And so surely enough, my uh, wife's now, my, my now wife's father was out doing evangelism on the streets of Indianapolis. And guess what? As a good dad, he brought his daughters out there at the same time. While I was going out there, we met. And when we met, I'm telling you, it was an answer to prayer. And I didn't even realize it at the moment. We were just being friends and connecting. Well, we connected. We started to fall in love. And then all of a sudden, the Lord is like, I want you to take this dear thing that you had prayed for. And I want you to put it on the altar. And I want you to sacrifice this for three years. I don't know if the Lord has ever talked to you like that, but again, in your relationship with him, especially in your worship for him and with him, he's going to test and make sure that everything is in their rightful place, especially as a single person, because it is easy to have a spouse as an idol in your life. And anybody who's been married for five seconds will tell you it ain't going to do it for you. Amen. They're great. They're good. They're lovely, but they ain't God. Right. And so we laid down our relationship because the Lord was telling us to for three whole years until the Lord says it is time. Can I tell you this? When you submit everything to God in your life, some things might seem dead. But when the Lord wants to resurrect those things, he will resurrect them in your life. If you trust him with your future, if you trust him with your spouse, if you trust him with your job, if you trust him with your kids, can I tell you life will be better. Might not be a better bed of roses. There might even be some sacrifice and stuff along the way. But I just want you to know that all things are held together by Jesus. So if you don't have him front and center, things aren't going to be held together in your life. And so I believe that the Lord had let us be introduced to each other. Let us have that moment where we begin to fall in love and then had us even lay this down so that for the rest of our relationship, God would always be primary in our life. Can I tell you that has saved our marriage many times? That has saved our sanity many times. I've told you the way that we do marriage counseling to each other is have you spent time with Jesus? You seem off today. Come on, Lord. Right? Why? Because when, whenever he's not in his rightful place, that's what happens, even in our marriage. Even though we're good people, good people, right? Even though, you know, we're trying, like, if God's not in his rightful place. And so I believe that he had us do that in the beginning just to make sure that he would be in his rightful place. Number one in our life, even before our spouse, for all time. And this is what he was doing with Abraham. He wanted to make sure that his son Isaac was not going to be an idol in his life. He will do that with you. And so I want you to examine, is there anything like that in your life that needs to be laid down before the Lord because it has actually come and taken a place that it shouldn't have in your life? All right, here's the second thing I want us to learn from this portion of scripture about worship. This is what worship is. Listen to this. It's trusting that God will fulfill his promises no matter what. 
Oh, I loved it when Nina was encouraging the body here at the main campus this morning. As we were singing, great is your faithfulness. She was saying exactly what this point is all about. It's trusting God when things don't seem to be going in the right direction. Think about this with Abraham here. What in the world is God doing? Genesis 22, 5. And Abraham, you know, he's here. He's been told to sacrifice his son, all of this type of thing. And nobody would think that that's following God in the scenario, right? What in the world is God doing? But did that throw him off? Did, 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 did he just be, was he just like, oh my gosh, I can't, what, what is God doing? Oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm just going to leave worship altogether. I'm going to leave church. I'm going to. No, look at what he says in Genesis 22, 5. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go up yonder to worship. But look at this. And we will come back to you. Think about the trust that Abraham had in God. He said, we will come back. He knew the character. He knew the nature of God. He knew that God is good. And this happens at the end of the arc of his story. And so I, I will encourage y'all, wherever you're at in the relationship that you have with God, because generally speaking at first, in the very first time that the Lord mentions himself to Abraham, he's not asking him to do something like this, okay? This is over years of Abraham learning the nature and the character of God, that he is good all the time. And that whatever God says to Abraham, whatever God has promised to Abraham, God was going to fulfill that promise, even if it looked bleak, even if it looked like the promise was about to be sacrificed before Abraham. This is why Abraham could declare in worship in this moment, and even all the way up to the mountain, we will come back. Not I will come back. Me and my promised son. God made a promise to me, and he's going to fulfill his word. Can I tell you that is worship? Oh, it's worship so many times. Whether we do that in music, or we, we just are there in our life, and we're like, I don't know what you're leading me to, God. I don't know why this is happening to me, God. But I will come back from this, God. We will come back from this, God. I want to encourage somebody. That's a prophetic word for somebody right now where you think the promise of God for your life is on the brink. You think like it's about to be sacrificed and there is no way to get back from this thing. I want you to hang on to these words that Abraham said in trust to God. We will come back. Come on, somebody declare that over your situation today. We will come back. The Lord will come through. I don't know how. I don't know the way. I just know he's good. Come on, we got to hang on to these things sometimes. When, when life seems to be going in a direction, we're like, where are you taking us, God? We need to say with all authority, God, we will come back. <laughs> Your promise will live on. I love how Hebrews says this, and I don't have the scripture before you, but in Hebrews, when it's mentioning Abraham as a father of our faith, it says that when he brought up Isaac to that mountain, he believed that even if he would have killed Isaac that day, that the Lord would have raised him from the dead. See, this is what you have to do in your relationship with God. Just trust him. That even if he asks you to lay down 
a woman or a man on the altar. Come on, somebody. Even if he asks you to do something that you're like, I don't, what? That if it's a promise from God, if it really is him, he will bring that thing that may be dead or even looks dead, he'll bring it back to life if it is his will in your life. But we can trust him because we know he's good. That if God promised Abraham this son Isaac, and he promised that through Isaac, all the world, through his seed, all the world would be blessed, then God's not going to just come because he ain't schizophrenic. God ain't bipolar, okay? If he actually says a word, we can trust in that word. Even if that word seems to be put to death, we know that the Lord will raise up that word in his time. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching to anybody that's going through some things in their life? What do we do in those moments? We worship. What is worship? Trusting in the Lord's goodness. Trusting in God's faithfulness. Will you go through tests? Yes. Matter of fact, that's a part of us learning the faithfulness of God. Why do we go through tests? So we worship a little harder. So we worship a little greater. So we get a greater revelation of who God is because we've gone through some things and God proved himself through those things that we went through. So he lets us be tested. Why? Because without a test, you can't have a testimony. Your worship will never be as beautiful unless you've gone through some things in your life. Because when you've gone through those things and you've continued to trust God, you come out on the other side like, God, I know you're faithful. God, I know you're true. God, I love you and I don't understand you yet through this thing, but I'm going to trust you because I know you to be good. One of the greatest testimonies in all of the Bible of God's son comes through this act of worship of Abraham. He begins to just trust God will provide. Did you see that in Genesis 22, 7 and 8? But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here I am, son. And he said, look, the fire, the wood, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, again, think about this worship. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. God will provide the lamb. He knew, though God told him to come and sacrifice his son, he knew that God was going to provide the lamb. He knew it. Now, he was going to go through and he was going to worship and he didn't know why the Lord was asking him to do this, but he was going to do it, but he trusted that the Lord would also provide whatever other sacrifice needed to happen to bring Isaac back to life or even to sacrifice something in his stead. He knew the Lord was going to do it. What he didn't realize fully here was that he was actually prophesying 1,800 years into the future. Because in that moment, what did God provide on that mountain? He provided a ram, not a lamb. He turns around and he sees the ram caught in a thorn bush. But by the way, just since we're comparing these two things to Jesus, what did Jesus wear on his brow on the day he was sacrificed? The crown of thorns? What was the ram caught in when they found him? 
a thicket of thorns. Come on, somebody. This is all about Jesus. This is all about Jesus, right? And so this testimony that the Lord was wanting to give to the Jewish people and to all of us today, that 1,800 years before Jesus was sacrificed on that mountain, God already had it in his plan with Abraham. Come on, somebody. It wasn't a ram. It was a lamb. What does John the Baptist call Jesus when he first comes on the scene? John 1.29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 1,800 years the Lord provided that Lamb because Abraham trusted and believed that one day he would. Might take 1,800 years. But God's promises are yes and amen. Amen. See, here's the thing about God, too, and this is where we get all messed up in our worship. We think God is on our timetable. <laughs> we think that God sees time like we do. Yet Peter tells us the way that God sees time in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says that a day is under the Lord like a thousand years and a thousand years one day. So according to the Lord, this is like 1.8 days. Where he sees this, where, where Abraham said the Lord will provide a lamb. Well, a day and 1.8 days later, the lamb comes and is sacrificed on that same mountain. Why though? Because this is God's plan. Can I tell you why you're going through some things? Here's another reason. And, and this is why it's breeding worship in your heart or it should. Just know what you're going through is to ultimately testify of Jesus in your life. It's to tell the world more about him. It's to tell you more about him. It's to awaken more of an understanding of who God is and who his son Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is in your life. Now, when you're going through it, we're not thinking that. We're just like, oh, my gosh. You know, I want to be frank with you guys. I think it's beautiful um, that we do have music the way we do. And you can see this throughout all of the Bible, that music was an avenue to bring our worship to God. But notice there's nothing in this scripture about music. <laughs> all right, the first time worship is mentioned, there is no harp, there is no guitar, there is no drum set, come on, right? It's just a man following Jesus, or following God. All right? But I do love that music is an avenue to express our worship to the Lord. And I just got to be frank with you. Uh, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to enter in. How about if it's a song you don't like? I, let, let me be honest with y'all. Last week, I was not ready for the song Jaira. In our adoption journey, I told you all this um, in the message on Philadelphia in our last series, how that just, the door was just shut in our face a couple times over the last six months in our adoption journey. And I'm not going to go into all of that, but what you guys did not know, and I didn't think I would share this until the time, we were going to name the baby Jaira because of this story. Because what is... 
Abraham do finally when he begins to worship on that mountain after the ram was provided? What does he call the Lord? Jehovah Jireh. What does it mean? The Lord sees, the Lord provides. So last week, Nina, I wasn't ready for it. My wife wasn't ready for it until I began to just understand, no, this is what it's all about. What does it say? I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. Y'all, if we would just get past our likes and our preferences and, and how the worship team sounds and whether they have drums or not or whether they're on key or not. Come on, somebody. And we get to the message of worship. You can worship any moment, anywhere, to anything. Why? Because Jaira is enough. More than enough. Always enough. Forever enough. Come on, somebody, right? This is what it's all about. And the Lord just reminded me when I didn't want to listen to that song. I didn't want to hear that song. I wasn't ready for that song. The Lord reminded me of why we named him Jaira. Because we trust that God will provide the lamb. Come on, somebody. We trust that God has the last word. We trust that God in the middle of what we're going through, whether we like it or not, is enough. So what are we going to do? We got to worship in trust. Knowing that God knows better than us. He sees 1,800 plus years into the future. What he's doing right now in you, what he's asking of you, is only simply to glorify his name a little bit more in your life. It's time for the church to finally begin to trust God like this and let our worship be known unto him that he is faithful and he is good and he's going to take care of whatever situations that we're going through. Worship is trusting in his goodness. Here's the third and final thing as we're just defining worship in this series through this story of Abraham. Can I tell you that worship is obedient sacrifice? Again, we didn't mention anything about music, although I was giving you some clarity on, yes, it's an avenue. Look at at this. You want to see somebody lifting their hands in worship? Check this out. Genesis 22.10, and Abraham stretched out his hand. And took the knife. Actually, I, I see it like this. Took the knife to slay his son. Hey, we're going to go up on the mountain to worship. When you see this. You see what worship really is, obedient sacrifice? The least that we can do on a Sunday morning is raise our hands unto this same God, the king of all, the king of the universe. Amen? Some of us are like this. My man was lifting his hands in total surrender and total obedience to God. No wonder why the Lord called him friend. He is so loyal. There's very few times where the scripture calls God, calls somebody friend. Abraham's one of them. We'll explore that in this series. Why? He's so loyal to God. 
He is completely surrendered to God. He is completely obedient to God. He is complete. He don't care who else knows. He doesn't, he doesn't care who else sees. He doesn't care what everybody else thinks. He's just out here in total worship, total surrender, total obedience to God. You want to know what worship is? Worship is obeying God no matter the cost. Worship is obeying God no matter the cost. I want to make a statement that I think is very pertinent to the series, and I hope it provokes you a little bit today. You've never fully worshiped the Lord until you've given, until it hurts. Because the Lord's going to require you. We were so, we're so weak sauce in our Christianity today, man. We want mild Christianity. And the Lord's over here saying, no, I want that like devil spit hot sauce. You know what I'm talking about? We're over here, we're so mild and we're so just Western whitewashed in our Christianity. That's not, that's, no, 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 that's not worship. That's you just wanting something to please you. That's, that's just you wanting something to submit to you. This is why in our worship gatherings, we're just looking for somebody to give us the songs that we like. This is why in our worship gatherings, we're, we're just wanting the preacher to tickle our ears. This is, this is why in our worship gatherings, if it ain't the right temperature, if it ain't the right color, if, that ain't worship. That's, that's you. And it, well, it is worship. You're just worshiping yourself. <laughs> Jeremiah's always trying to get that donut punch in. A little donut action. That's why we don't have logs no more over here. Right? It's just about me, not God. When you really worship the Lord in true Christianity, in Christianity, what does it the Lord say? You gotta die in order to live. You gotta lose in order to gain. Where is that message today in the church? We're over here saying, hey, if you come to us, then guess what? We'll give you this, and we'll give you this, and we'll give you this. All you get here is a $5 Starbucks card. Don't ask for anything else. <laughs> That's it. After this, you're going to sacrifice everything. Even your son. No, please, don't get me wrong in this, okay? All right. No, but for real, what does the Lord say? If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, he's not being for real literal. All right, but he is saying, you got to sacrifice it all for me in obedience. If I require from you to do something, I'm telling you, this is what I want. And guess what is your reasonable act of worship? Romans 12, 1 tells you, you got to lay your life down on that altar every single day and submit to God in utter, complete obedience. Oh, I knew it wasn't going to get real hot in the church at that point. We like that mild Christianity. Now, again, this starts somewhere in your life. I know that. The sacrifices that we have made to start this church and continue to lead this church, the Lord didn't ask us to do that right away in our Christianity. He just asked me to do it with a girl that I loved. But over time... There's been greater sacrifices. And as I was worshiping the Lord this morning, I've been thinking, 
guys, this year I'm celebrating 18 years of following Jesus. That means I'm turning 36 this year. I've followed Jesus the same amount of time before Christ or after Christ as I did following the world before Christ. 18 years. Can I tell you in 18 years of following him and there's been a lot of obedient sacrifice and things that I'm like, God, I have no clue what you're doing in this scenario, including the things I've already mentioned to you and testified over these last few weeks about. I've just learned that I can't outgive God. I've learned that when I do lose my life and when I do give up my life, I will find it. I've learned that he is faithful when I would trust him and when I will obey him. I might not see it in the moment. I might not even see it in that year, but I see it fulfilled as the years go on. I begin to see the life of the Lord lived out in and through me. But I will say that this is a process And so for some people watching, some people in here today, for some of you, when we're talking about you've never fully worshiped the Lord until you've given and and until you've given until it hurts. For some of y'all, that means that it's time for you to lift up your hands on a Sunday morning during the worship set. Amen. Why? Because that might hurt your pride. And how many of you guys know we need our pride to be hurt a little bit more? So again, when we're worshiping and we're wondering, how, how are people going to view me? I don't care. I'm worshiping God in complete surrender. And guess what he says in the Bible? Lift up your hands, all you people. Come on. Give the Lord praise. Lift up your hands. Pray with your hands lifted. I mean, he talks about it in the scripture. So let's do that in obedience. And it might hurt some of y'all, but that's what we do. And again, maybe for some of y'all, it's giving in that offering. And we're going to talk about this in the series, too. Because Abraham clearly showed what it was like. Because some of y'all, that hurts your wallet. It hurts mine every time I give. The more you give, the more it hurts too. The more you make, and the more you give, the more it hurts. The check's bigger, I'm just saying. It's obedient sacrifice, right? This is the first time the word worship is used in the scripture. And this is not how we normally define worship, is it? Can I tell you, though, too, this is awesome. I want to I preach this and all in the message. You know who also was worshiping this day? Isaac. We give Abraham all this credit. Yo, if I'm Isaac, I'm running. You know what I'm saying? Like, my dad's gone crazy. Come here, son. Let me, let me wrap you up. He says he bound them. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Come here, son. Let me wrap you up. Got the knife and fire. Like, Dad, what's going on, Dad? Wait, Isaac doesn't run? Isaac doesn't fight back? Right? What does Isaac do? All right, Dad. <laughs> Sounds like a good old time, Dad. I mean, what? In Genesis 22, 9, check this out. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built the altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. How incredible. He just submitted. What is worship? It's obedient sacrifice. Dad says, son, I'm sure there was an emotional exchange here. With father and son, listen, son, just trust me. Listen, son, just trust me. 
Oh, if our parenting can get here. Listen, son, just trust me. We're going to follow God, and, and we don't know how he's going to provide, but he's Jireh. He, he sees ahead. He, he will take care of us. Son, listen, just please, just in this moment, just let me do this, and I, I promise you, God is going to make a way where there is no way. God is going to come through, son. Just listen as we are here laying ourselves down before the Lord. He has a plan in this. He has a purpose in this. Let's just trust him. Isaac says, okay. Doesn't this sound like Jesus? Father says, son, I need you to go to the cross. Sons, father, if there's any other way. Can you imagine Isaac? Dad, is, there, there, has to be, there has to be another way, right? What do you mean? This, is, this ain't right? No, no. Son, just trust me. Father God saying to his son Jesus, this is the way. Okay, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What's the scripture say in John? No man takes my life from me. I freely lay it down. Obedience. Philippians says that the Lord learned obedience going through to and through the cross. Can I tell you what does the Lord tell us? We need to pick up our cross and follow him. This is why Romans 12, 1 says this, I therefore urge you, and I'm going to do a whole series on this probably next. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in Romans 12, look at what he says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, which is your true and proper worship. Oh, we think singing a song or coming to church once a week is now this is our life worship is our life it's laying your life down in obedient sacrifice to God I want us just to take a moment and see where we're at in this thing called worship what are we worshiping because if we're not doing these things to God I promise you you're going to do this in your relationship with other things We're made to worship. We're made to lay down. We're made to sacrifice. We're made to give it all. The Lord just saying, you need to do that to me first. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes today?